In this episode, we discuss Caveat, an Irish horror film from 2021. If you're into Michael Jackson-style red jackets, if you like leather vests, if you're into crossbows and creepy haunted houses, come and check it out. But one caveat, this movie will scare the crap out of you. Come and have a listen. John. Brian, yeah, how's it going? It's going well, but I'm a little bit concerned. Really? What's uh, what's on your mind? Well, I've been taking an inventory of our camping supplies, and we're running low on a few items. I don't know if you noticed. I noticed my pack was lighter. Mm-hmm. I just thought I was getting stronger. That could be. But I took this inventory, and we are out of flashlight batteries, crossbow bolts, and leather vests that lock and have chains on them. I don't know if you noticed that we don't have those things. Well, I I did notice that through this entire trip, we've been chained to each other, both wearing leather vests and tethered with a a rusty chain. How on earth did we wind up chained together this way? Well, at one point in the middle of the night, you got up and wandered away. You were lost for like three days. You might have forgotten about that whole incident. Was I wearing my favorite red jacket at that point or not? Yeah, you had just got back from your thriller convention (laughs) and uh sometimes you sleepwalk and moonwalk and so this was attached for your own safety and consideration i appreciate that you're looking after me because i don't remember any of that shit (laughs) i do have a picture of myself with macaulay culkin in my back pocket which might explain what was going on Well, well, that's I'll, why I'll, that's that's why we're chained together <laughs> with leather vests on, in case you're wondering. That circumstance reminded me of the movie Caveat. Have you seen the movie Caveat? Oh, yes. I have seen that. 2021, directed by Damien McCarthy, I believe Irish, and the, and the actor's also Irish. Yeah, directed and written by Damien. His first movie, I think. It is, and filmed in Ireland in Cork. I think this was Damien's first movie which is pretty impressive and he made it on a shoestring budget i read online that he it was filmed in 2017 and then he worked just a regular nine to five job to earn enough money for the production costs so clearly a underfunded labor of love mad respect for that i can't imagine my first picture coming out as well as his did you're right this movie did not look to me like it was made cheaply it looked really good I can remember movies that have unnerved me a lot, two or three in particular, and this one is among those chosen few from the moment it starts to the moment it ends pretty much nonstop through a combination of music and fox screams and creepy string music, not cheap jump scares, but just really well done manipulation of anxieties. I am. I experienced bodily chills, essentially, for 90 minutes straight. (laughs) Yeah, I think the only thing more terrifying than this movie is your home movies growing up. Those are also equally terrifying. That's true. I get cold sweats and goosebumps watching those. And I haven't even layered in the violin music yet, so just wait till that's done. (laughs) It was well done. It was, as you said, without cheap jump scare, whether it's the, the music or the coloring of the film the tension the acting i wonder if there's a foreign actor in a movie 
if I'm less able to know or detect that they're a good actor or not. You're talking about their accent or? Well, I think that most of the cast was made up by people from Ireland. And mm -hmm. yeah, with an accent, I, you know, I can detect when there's a, not a very good actor or actress from America with an American accent. And it's quite clear. But I wonder if someone just layers on a British or Irish accent and they just automatically sound like good actors. Can't tell. Can't, Can't tell. tell. Yeah. I thought the main guy with the red hair was quite good. And the evil, I guess, antagonist character, Mo, he had more of a physical presence than maybe his voice wasn't quite up to the job. But I thought the first red-haired guy was good and the, and the young lady, Olga, was pretty creepy as well. So not a lot of dialogue in this particular film, but at least two out of the three actors, I think, were good. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about the movie made it for you? What, what are the details that created this successful environment? Right off the break, it's the rabbit with the drum. Then that picture frame when he's trying to go to sleep and he turns it around on the wall and it turns itself back around. And, and the creepy image of the young woman in the painting changes its facial expression. Like stuff like that is just classic horror movie stuff, but it doesn't feel cheap or overused at the same time. It's uh, genuinely unnerving. And then there's a whole 20 minute scene where he's creeping around after Olga turns off the power and Isaac is creeping around the house with a flashlight. You just know something messed up is going to be shown. But the worst that is shown, I think, that I can remember is like, there's there's no jump scares during that moment. So it kind of messes with you. There's just these the flashlight thing and the semi-animated rabbit doll. Obviously, the fact that there were mur murders in the house. So you got the haunted house element, the psychosis of the girl, and just the general confusion in the backstory, like Isaac has some kind of memory loss. He's being manipulated by Mo in some way to do something nasty, but you don't really understand what. And then the, the leather vest thing. Yeah, there's just kind of a, a medieval vibe to it. There's just all these kind of strokes of classical movie elements, sort of classical movie, horror movie colors being used. Mm -hmm. I think the whole plot doesn't really make any sense when you stand back and try to put it together. But somehow that doesn't matter because it's just a visceral feeling throughout the whole movie that was terrifying. Maybe we should try and put the plot together here for a minute. Well, maybe you should. Okay, maybe I will. As I recall, there is a <clears throat> a gentleman by the name of Isaac who appears to be down on his luck, or let's just say without direction. His friend comes to him, Mo. Mo is hiring Isaac to look after Mo's niece or cousin of sorts. The niece is named Olga, and Olga appears to have some sort of psychosis, some catatonia where she is vulnerable at long periods of time as she's maybe unable to move or in some sort of psychotic or some sort of state of well of catatonia isaac is hired to go to this house and look after olga for what sounds like four or five days and so it seems like a little unusual but nothing too out of the ordinary isaac goes to this house escorted by mo it's a pretty rundown house. Pretty creepy. Mo is telling Isaac that in order for you to be here and ensure safety of Olga, you have to wear this leather vest. And this leather vest has a chain attached to it anchored in the basement. And this reduces your mobility so that you can't go into the room where Olga is staying. This is sort of a criteria or a caveat of the job. Hmm. So this brings in an element of claustrophobia or restricted movement 
a variable that makes the house inescapable. Isaacs has a tent, but then agrees. And then from that point forward, there's all sorts of creepiness that happens as Isaac is anchored to this building. The wrap-up of it is Mo has killed Olga's mother, and it appears, if not directly killed, but Olga's father has found himself in a place in which he either killed himself or was killed. One of the issues around this movie is that the characters are a bit unreliable in their storytelling. So depending on who you're listening to, you might get a slightly different story. But ultimately, there were some things that happened that included murder or suicide in the building. And it's my opinion that Olga's mother is some form of witch, which brings a spiritual element into it. So that's kind of the basic plot line. At the end, well, do you want to describe the ending? At the end, Mo comes back to the house and Olga shoots him with a crossbow. I got the impression from that that he was the actual bad guy. Mm -hmm. And then Isaac just kind of escapes and Mo is confronted with the mom ghost or, or still living corpse. And that's kind of how it ends. And, and you figure that Mo's going to get it from the, from the dead mom in some demonic witchy way. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think it's hilarious that uh, Isaac is tricked twice into, <laughs> into coming to the house <laughs> once before to murder, essentially Olga's father. He gets there and tries to warn Olga's father and then comes down the basement to do the task and notices that Olga's father is already, I don't know, in the stages of death and mm -hmm. then runs away, goes back to his flat. And then Mo comes along and pushes him off the balcony, essentially causing him a brain injury. Isaac then has some sort of amnesic or suffers from amnesia as it relates to this event. And then Mo comes back later and rehires him to come to the house under a different task and Isaac has uh, no recollection, at least initially, that he'd already been there and, and was hired to do another deviant little task. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny. I don't know. I guess a sad way. But what do you think Moe's agenda was for the second mission? Was he trying to set up Isaac so that Olga would kill him and thus remove the last potential witness against Moe's conniving? Hmm. It's not totally clear. I always think in situations like this, it's money motivated where there's an inheritance to happen. Maybe. Ed, the guy in the basement, was Moe's brother. Ed had been put in the basement by his wife, who I don't believe is named in the movie. She was crazy. So she, she thought it would be fun to put dad, Ed, who suffers from claustrophobia in the harness, refuse to give him the key. She swallows the key, <laughs> then locks him in the basement. And he shoots himself. And when we first hear with about, a crossbow, right? I don't, I don't know. Um, that scene well, where Isaac finds him down there and he's got blood on his face. I didn't get a clear image of whether he had shot himself or was still alive. And yeah, I don't know. I guess with the crossbow, yeah. Hmm. Mom is presented at first as having been miss missing. She was van she vanished eight months ago, mm -hmm. but she's actually dead. When Mo sends Isaac on the second mission, if Mo was the one who killed Mom, which at the end of the movie seems to be what is suggested, then Mo lies to Isaac at the be at the beginning of the second mission about where Mom is and the fact that Mom is buried in the basement. So therefore, if all that's true, then the discovery of Mom in the basement was not meant to happen, I guess. And maybe that's where 
the creepy bunny rabbit drumming to alert Isaac to that fact might be at play. Hmm. Whether this is true or not, I think that it's worth coloring these characters so that we can give them more depth and talk about them a little more clearly. So I believe that Olga's mother is a witch of some sort. She has harnessed some level of dark magic or, or something. Did you where, say harnessed? Harnessed, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would uh, agree with that. Uh, she's she's said to be insane or mad. So whatever Olga suffers from, maybe it's related to that genetically. Maybe that's a symptom of having a witch as a mother, having had witnessed such torment to her dad and having herself being tormented, I'm sure, in certain ways. So she's restricted herself and eliminated one of her senses, being the visual scope. The father has found himself claustrophobic. I wonder if both of those are due to the fact that one's married to a witch and one is the daughter of a witch. Is that kind of paranoia and catatonic state a reaction to childhood trauma? So there's this idea of a prepared phobia where the human body or the human psyche is prepared to be influenced in ways that would create a phobia. This would fall into claustrophobia. This would fall into fear of heights. It's not something that's conditioned. It's not that like I heard a sound and then it was shown a magazine and then hit over the head. And then therefore, when I see a magazine or hear this sound, I anticipate some level of pain. And then when I see the magazine later, fear is then experienced. That's a, a conditioning that is different than this preparedness phobia where there is a natural tendency to already have some concerns around being restrained, and that can be exaggerated into a claustrophobia-type experience, but it doesn't necessitate anything unusual, just an exaggeration of a typical scenario, which would then trigger sort of a claustrophobic experience. Same thing with like fear of heights. It's, I didn't fall down a hill at one point and then went up the hill and said, ooh, I'm up high. Remember when I fell down? That was scary. And so now I'm concerned about heights. It's, I was primed to be fearful of heights. So is it partly genetic then? Some people just have a genetic predisposition to things like claustrophobia and fear of heights? This kind of gets into a discussion we've had before, which I don't have the answer to. How does one inherit a fear of heights or how does one inherit claustrophobia? Is it genetic? That's a psychological experience that wouldn't necessarily be through the variation of DNA. It's something that maybe happened to me or something that I saw happen to someone else during my lifetime and through generation maybe passed along. But the fear of heights there's some physical genetic component related to an experience that would heighten one's sensitivity. So with the fear of heights, there's a suggestion that someone who relies heavily on sight will find themselves at a place of great height. And they also have a sensitivity to their own body sway. And mm -hmm. so then if I'm highly reliant on sight, due to the experiences that I've had growing up where sight has become more important than anything else. And I have a instability to my physical muscular 
skeletal system, I'm up high, there's danger, there's a muscle skeletal concern of instability, I need to get out of here because there's high risk here due to death, essentially. I guess the point in telling that long story was that there is a preparedness section to it where I might be predisposed as any human might be to some of these phobias, but I also have a genetic composition that relies heavily on sight and instability of muscle and skeletal that then makes me even more concerned. So what would normally be of, hey, this is concerning being up this high to, this is terrifying. I can't be up this high ever again. And the concern of being up or being placed at this height has now become a future concern that I am avoiding in an unnecessary way or exaggerated way. And then that comes in with the fear of heights or acrophobia is what it's called. Sounds like a potent cocktail. You got to have reliant on sight, sensitive to body sway. It's like the planets have to align. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's like 5%, 6% of the population. So it's a significant amount of the population has concerns about it. But anyway, so there's a genetic trait that's passed along through experience and a genetic predisposition. I'm afraid of heights, John. Are you really? But only when I'm in a, a structure that's man-made, when we look over mountaintops to glorious valley views and so on, I don't feel a fear of the height. Mm. But when I've been in a skyscraper or something like that or on an airplane, it's terrifying. Airplane, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, I hate sitting next to the window. I do not want to look out the window on an airplane. Hmm. So you don't have a lot of uh, confidence in man-made structures. I feel fine in the airplane when it's on the ground, but when we're yeah hurtling through the stratosphere, 30,000 feet, it's pretty terrifying. Huh. How so do you cope with such situations? Well, I don't really. I just kind of try to think about all the safety features that are built in and how professional everyone is and sort of grit my teeth and bear it. But it's not easy. Claustrophobia, on the other hand is harder to experience, I would say. I, I, I believe I have that as well, but I can't remember the last time I, I felt confined in a small space. These all kind of point to an eventual death, and that's the catastrophic concern. I'm assuming that in the airplane, you're worried about the airplane crashing, mm -hmm. and the man who might be concerned about a claustrophobic event is concerned about something that's inescapable, and then because it's inescapable, I will be killed. It all ends up with our, our demise. So it's all related to fear of death. That's what my guess would be. Mm-hmm. Mm mm, makes sense. So there's an idea there with the predisposition to phobia that doesn't require a previous experience to be phobic of it. It's an interesting genetic component that I don't think is easily explained through Darwinian genetics. No, it makes sense. I mean, fear of heights makes sense from a genetic standpoint, that that we would be afraid of extreme heights in, in the African savanna, the highest our primate ancestors probably would have been is in a tree, which is a point of safety. I don't know if it goes back earlier than that, but there must be... Yeah, I have no idea how that would have gotten genetically programmed if some animal ancestor of ours had a genetic predisposition to not want to wander too close to the edge of the cliff 
they would have been the ones that survived any one-off falls down the side of the cliff by those who did not have that genetic predisposition to avoid the side of the cliff. So it makes sense that that gene would have spread. But why does it have to manifest as a, the terror that it does, the extremely fine-tuned, completely absorbing terror that it, that it does? Why can't it just be similar to a dislike for a certain kind of food or it would never enter my mind to go to the side of the mountain. Why does it have to have like a, an 11 out of 10 effect on our emotional states to be effective? It seems a little bit cruel, you know? Hmm. I don't know. What are you afraid of, John? Do you have phobias? Heights is a thing for me. You know, I can describe my experience as at one point I purchased a ticket to go into a lighthouse and intellectually I want to go see the top of the lighthouse. But through process of climbing the stairs, spiral staircase, a steel staircase where there's gaps, as I got to about halfway up, I had to turn back around and go back mm. down the staircase, embarrassingly. Well, it also cost me $10. But mm. the point is, is that it was a physical body response that no matter how much I tried to convince myself everything was fine, it, my body overrode that or, or prevented me from coming to that conclusion and, and continuing up. And it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting experience in that it's a weakness within the your knees. It almost prevents you, despite your own wishes, to go forward. So if you're approaching a cliffside, and I've experienced this in travel, say, for instance, like in uh, Denver or something, when you find yourself on a really high up mountain where there's literally no way I could fall off. The falling off point, you could call it, is... 100 meters. So it's not even within the scope of me tumbling. I have to go much further in order for me to have actual risk. But the physical response within my knees to, to move me beyond that point becomes an impossibility. It's an overriding experience that isn't based on my personal experience and having fallen off a cliff or seen someone fall off a cliff. It's not that I can see it as a risk. Like I can see that there's a fair amount of distance that still needs to go. So across all senses that I have control over, and including my own intellect, this is not a problem. But the protest from my body prevents me from moving past a certain threshold as I get closer and closer to the edge of the cliff. Yeah, I have the, I've had that same sensation. Your body just becomes heavy and it will not go any farther. I had that when I was I was hiking and I there was sort of a maybe 40, 50 feet tall kind of observation tower mm -hmm. that hikers could climb up and get a wider view of the area. And, and the tower itself was on the top of a mountain. So it was, yeah, I was going up the steps and every little platform became harder and harder physically to manage. And then the wind started blowing and the whole thing was very sturdy and made of metal. And But you could feel the wind just blowing through it and subtle shakes. And that was enough to, I did get to the top, but I didn't stay there long. So, yeah, I wonder how that fits in with our fight or flight response. Clearly, it's related to the, the fight or flight provocation that our body senses, but it's neither fight nor flight. It's kind of like shut down mm -hmm. or go back, maybe, because your body probably doesn't. I guess in your example, it wants to sort of sit down where it is and not even be vertical. In my tower example, it was like, yeah, I needed to, I need to turn back. This isn't my body just doesn't want to do this. So I guess it's flight. On some level. And to bring it into the movie a little bit, the main character, Isaac, 
there's some parts of his behavior which are suspicious or <laughs> a little unusual where there's a flatness to him. He's willing to take certain amounts of risks that I don't think many would feel comfortable. He's obviously hesitant to put on the leather vest. Okay, reasonable. Then later in the movie, there's a point at which Olga is attacking him with a crossbow and shoots him with the crossbow. And he doesn't necessarily seem to be too concerned about it. The arrow just grazes his head and he has injury to his ear. And he kind of like, you know, touches his ear. He's like, this is bleeding. And it's, it's almost like he's in this fog where he isn't quite seeing things as for what they are. Could be due to his traumatic brain injury. I don't know. I think to a degree, it kind of speaks to these fears that are being articulated in the movie at claustrophobia. You have someone who, although under the umbrella of being catatonic is fearful of seeing things in the sense that she's witnessed her mother do terrible things to her father and possibly to herself. Then you got this guy who comes in, who's in a stupor with this fight flight response and freeze I was considering it in the in the realm of through overstimulation, although he never really seemed to be overstimulated, one could find themselves in a almost a fog where my body and my brain has have burned through many calories and trying to consider and figure out the situation. My body has been experiencing physical fear for a long period of time, and my adrenaline glands and such have really dispensed all they can. And so now I'm in this sort of freeze state where it's, I can't escape this. I'm literally chained. I've burned through all my calories. My glands have kind of done their push. And now I'm just sort of like exhausted by the state in which I'm in. I'm almost bound and restricted to an exhausted body. And now I'm just sort of slowly responding to situations which seem quite dangerous, but I'm not running in fear because, well, I just don't have the energy anymore. I'm just barely holding it together and kind of teasing through these unusual situations. Isaac is a very brave character. Maybe you're right. He's gone through so much or maybe his episode of forgetfulness, whatever caused that also triggered some emotional neutrality in him. But that one scene where he is walking around the house with the flashlight, that's the only scene where he shivers and seems to be, I thought he was afraid, but it turns out he was just cold. And once he finds his, winter hat and his Michael Jackson jacket. He warms up a little bit. Yeah, he he does, you know, like climbing down that mysterious tunnel in the bathroom and shit like that. That I would never do. Um, I guess you have to present the character with a, a neutral color so that the audience can't have the scares. It wouldn't be very scary if Isaac just saw the trap door open up and ran away shrinking. Yeah, he's got, he's got to go in there. And I don't know this director, how much time he put into the script, or he obviously is putting in little features in relation to psychology. There is a, an approach to therapy called internal family systems. And this concept is that a person is made up of many sub personalities, which mm -hmm. is fairly accurate in my view, where it's, I might have a self, but I'm also animated by a bunch of smaller selves or sub-personalities. And so this movie could be, and I, sometimes I give too much credit to the director and writer, each character is playing a part of a sub-personality, and in collection, the movie should be seen as a meta experience, where Olga is playing a certain sub-personality, Mo is playing a vengeful personality, Isaac is this 
tempered, non-reactive personality. The mother is some witchery sort of sinister personality. And you're supposed to see them not as individual characters, but a, a grouping of many types of sub personas that are now kind of interacting with each other. And the house maybe is the, the wider sort of contained psyche. I've heard of the theory of, or I guess the, the idea that we have like an inner parliament or an inner Congress, all mm -hmm. these competing desires and voices. And I think that's the same idea that when you're hungry, obviously the, the eat something coalition makes itself known and grabs the wheel for a time. And when you're sleepy, the small contingent of rational focusing you is not able to really function. I think that's the same notion. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the phobia, the, the phobia pieces and the different kind of flat characters might make up this Congress of one part of me taking control of myself and running with it. And mm. maybe the purpose of this film was to highlight those different sort of members of Congress and dad being claustrophobic is just one part of you that might find yourself in a claustrophobic space and then pull your body out of it. Same thing with the uh, fear of heights. I might, I might find a piece of me, not my whole, overwhelmed by a height. And I then, then the rest of my body succumbs to this part. And maybe that's the point of the movie is these different characters are the different members of Congress. What do you think it is about the bunny rabbit with the drums and the earlier scenes in the movie where doors are opening and the camera sort of creeps up over Isaac's shoulder and you get the idea that like a, an evil wind is blowing and and the what what is it that's so terrifying about those horror movie moves like what do they do and what is it summoning in us what fears like talking about fear of heights or fear of is there a is there a genetic part of our pre-human perhaps selves that fears such things and why would it fear such impossible things like what makes that bunny rabbit in particular so damn creepy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i couldn't speak on that in particular that's probably a conversation we can have over multiple episodes but there is a an idea of the unknown being quite anxiety provoking so if you're approaching a problem the anxiety is a future-oriented experience. I'm only anxious about a potential. Once it's become certain, anxiety has left. Now I might have disappointment or stress or sadness, but anxiety isn't there anymore. Now I'm anxious about another potential future state. So this camera over the shoulder is inviting a sense of dread, which maybe is full-on anxiety of a potential demise that I can't predict where it's coming from. It could be anywhere. And maybe I'm relieved when the axe comes through the window and chops me down because at least now I know where the, <laughs> where the danger is. And although this is leaving me with pain and sadness, anxiety has now left me. And now I'm now the dread is gone. And now I'm just left with my bleeding corpse. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When, <laughs> when Mo, who is the ostensible murderer shows up at the end i was quite relieved because at least we were out of that little room with the dead mom i was like god thank god's most here bring, bring some bring some <laughs> human-based villainy to this movie 
Right, because Mo, you can conceptualize, and Mo is over there in the corner, and although he's coming at me, and it's probably more threatening than the deceased mother, because the deceased mother, she seems so concerning, yet she's already been defeated. You know, at some point, arrows went through her body and she died. She's pretty small framed, so a physical intimidation may not be there, but who knows? I mean, she's reanimated herself. She's coming at me. She has an agenda. I killed her. Well, from Mo's perspective. So there's good reason to be concerned. But ultimately, Mo is an actual physical entity in front of me who has demonstrated his ability to kill people. So in a way, he should be more concerning yet. I can define him. And so anxiety is left. Now it's posture of fight. Now it's like, I need to find out how I can escape this defined threat as opposed to an anxious, undefined threat. Yeah, there's something about that, about that rabbit that you don't know whether it's summoning forth the whatever that's coming up behind Isaac or whether it's trying to help Isaac and sort of warn him that, that there's a whatever coming up behind him. <laughs> but just those large eyes and the way they were looking up. And that was uh, that, that one scene where the rabbit's on the, on the mantelpiece or whatever, and Isaac's just like leaning forward saying hello to it. And it's just like banging away. That was, <laughs> that was so unnerving, and I, I don't really understand why. I felt the rabbit was a flashlight that would shine through and detect danger. They were fl- shining the flashlight around in the dark basement, mm-hmm. and then it's like it illuminates an area, and then through the illumination, then you can see there's no danger there. And I feel like the the rabbit was that in a in a sense where you aim it or it, you move it around and it will then react to something of concern, and so it's almost like a flashlight in itself. Okay. Yeah, I like this movie. I don't want to watch it again, but I enjoyed the experience that my body went through. Yeah, I'm excited to see if Damien writes and directs another movie. Yeah, well, maybe he will if he can find another. Nine to five job to pay for it. One small note here, as this is a Shutter release, which is a, a streaming service, actually. Oh, think really? of think yeah, think Netflix, but for horror movies only. Wow, I never heard of Shutter. This is the first movie I've seen that was a Shutter original, and it appears that there are many exclusives and originals that Shutter has released through its streaming service. And what's interesting is that. A lot of them are foreign horror movies. I haven't really viewed many of them. Obviously, this is the first one I've seen. But there is a an element of independent horror maker, I guess international independent horror maker. And so I'm, I'm curious to kind of go through their catalog to see what else they have. Yeah, I mean, this is a an auspicious beginning for us uh, with Shudder, I would say. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, I never knew the Irish could be so terrifying. We haven't seen Leprechaun and all of its variants. Well, hopefully coming up soon, I'll kind of have a, an education in these fundamental core horror movies so that I can compare it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Got to get to that source material. Yeah. Do you know where the key is to my leather vest, John? Um. Yeah, you know what? I threw it over the cliff, so oh. you're going to have to... Go after it. Well, maybe we'll just we'll just stay together. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. All right, well, let's go around this corner and see what's uh what our flashlights will show us. Sounds good. We really need to stop hiking in the dead of night. 